Hello there, I'm Jackie Stern and welcome to my Coaching Conversations podcast. My intention is to give people a sense of the coaching process through listening in on my conversations with others who've received coaching and also with experts in the field. You will hear how coaching has supported people to tap into the best of themselves as they manage their organisation, their business or their teams as they face into the future. And you'll also hear how coaching has enabled people to achieve a desired shift in their working life, whether that's pursuing their purpose, achieving promotion perhaps, starting a new business or a new project, or creating a better work-life balance. I've lined up some marvellous speakers to chat with me. Today, my guest for the next 30 minutes or so is Tess Cope. Tess and I knew when she was working alongside Ed Rowland of the whole partnership in the provision of systemic coaching training. And I was inspired by her calmness and obvious depth and breadth of experience of this way of working. So welcome to the podcast, Tess. Thank you. Now, if I look at the website for your business, the Transformation Agency, I read that you work with senior management teams and HR leaders across a range of diverse organisations and that you specialise in cultural transformation, leadership development and executive coaching. I also read that you utilise diagnostics, psychometrics and so on in your coaching. So far, so conventional. However... (laughs) My ears pricked up, and sorry for the pun, during the course, when you mentioned the role that horses can play in your work as a facilitator of systemic constellations. Now, as a lifelong lover of horses myself, I'm intrigued about their role in your work. But before we get to that, perhaps you could briefly describe your transition from HR director at Coloplast into setting up your own consultancy, the Transformation Agency. Thanks, Jackie. I'd be delighted to. I set up the business in 2010, and it was a dream, a vision, a plan. It was all of those things that I'd had for quite some time, actually. If truth be known, I decided in 1999 that this was the direction that I wanted to head in. So everything that I did in my career and building up my experience led me along the journey towards, at some point in time, being able to, what I call, fly solo. And so a variety of jobs uh, happened over that period, a variety of HR jobs. And my particular area of expertise and passion was around leadership development. And I headed up that part of an organization in a few different places. And my final employed role was the HR director at Colaplast, beautiful Danish organization. Um, and so I think I was preparing for a long time. Yeah. And that may have helped my transition be a bit smoother. I also recruited my successor a year before 
I departed. So I, I really attended to setting the system up for a continued uh, continuous flow yeah. upon my stepping out. And so I, I really felt that I did the best I could to help the organization continue, but also for me um, to really step into the dream that had been waiting for me for quite some time. That's not, I know that's not always the case where people have had a bit of time to plan, but, but I did spend quite a bit of time doing exactly that. That's really interesting. I love that you attended so much to leaving the system you were leaving in good heart. That's really, you know, a testament to your care and love, really. And it does look like a very interesting organisation. I did have a look at their website. So, yeah, it did look, look as if it was a, a, an organisation to work in that was a force for good. Very much so. Yeah. So you, you moved into your dream of, of flying solo. How did you come across the systemic approach? within that did you start out with yeah. that straight away or no uh, so I, as i mentioned i set up in 2010 and leadership development was the heartland of my experience and so that's what i centered my work around and uh for for lots of us being really dialed into our network of where we've been and people that we know because of course the trust is already there and so i started doing some of the classic leadership development interventions that you'd expect and I, I actually was recommended to my first systemic practitioner program, which is called Colpi, in the latter half of 2010 uh -huh. and signed up in 2011. And so I gave myself a bit of time to really let that bed down and feel confident in that approach before I started integrating it into the way of working. Um, I, I think in, in our work, and I know that you'll resonate with this, it's always about tuning into what's right for the client and yes. what's the right time for the approach that you want to take. Mm. So it was a gradual feed in from the training I did in 2011. And when you first heard about it, what was it that attracted you to it? So I've always been interested in looking at the larger system so um, part of my work is doing cultural diagnostics and, and that was the case when I was in-house and it continued to be the case um, when I'm working externally with clients, really helping them understand what kind of culture, well, first of all, where, in the context of where they're going strategically, what kind of culture do they need? And the diagnostic is then also helping them and where are we today and then what's the gap and then traveling forward. Yep. So the hook that really got me tuned into the systemic approach is it's another way of understanding the whole uh -huh. and it's a way of getting in tune with maybe some of those more invisible dynamics in the whole that other diagnostics were not going to reach. So it felt like it was singing the same tune but from a very different and, and a very depthful perspective mm. and so yeah I plus it was recommended by people I completely trust so that combination of things got me entering that uh, that arena and uh, you know you've got a whole range of tools that you can use and that you do use with your clients but I, I wonder if you've got any examples um, anonymized obviously of how you have supported movement in organizations or changes around leadership with individuals or whole organizational change using that lens yeah of course happy to share a few 
Well, maybe if I start with the individual, uh, and I can say now that all of my coaching uh, is is fully um, embracing the systemic approach. Okay. Uh, and so uh, that we we start from the off with that layer of and that way of working. And uh, so yeah, a couple of examples on that individual level first. One example uh, I can cite of a senior leader that I was working with a couple of years ago. It's a lady, and she was quite new to the senior team. So you had that natural reticence while someone's bedding in. So of course they need a little bit of time to kind of enter into a new team. But the pattern that was showing up is she was always holding back and very tentative around contributing ideas. Moreover, she really didn't feel like she was part of the team. Uh-huh. And so felt fairly separate from most on most occasions, despite the fact that she'd grown up through the organization and already proven her worth. Yeah, yeah. So we took a systemic lens to figuring out what's really going on here because that's that's the, the joy of working in that way. You can get underneath the skin of the situation. And what we discovered is that that pattern was actually quite normal for her in lots of different settings, i.e. she couldn't find her place. And because she couldn't find her place, she couldn't bring her strengths and her contribution. Now, in that specific example, that phenomenon comes from her family system. Uh, I won't unpack that right now, but suffice to say, sometimes the dynamics will come from our personal family system and sometimes they'll come from other parts of the organization. So we need to discern what's really at the source of this and for her we find the source was in the family system when we did the appropriate piece of work for that to settle it freed her up from replaying that pattern in the organization so if I do a from two with her she went from being a new member of the team really struggling to bring her full self not making a huge amount of contributional ideas into that executive team she'd inherited the the worst performing part of the business compound matters yeah and 18 months later um, she's one of the strongest members of that executive team and she's taken her business to be the highest performing to the point where it got a global company award for the innovative work that she's done so a stark a stark transition once we really allowed what was really going on to be addressed um maybe if i do um just one before, more. You, before you go yes. to the next one so within 18 months you've done the 18 month arc but uh, Kind of how many sessions in did it take before the the alignment started to happen and the shifts became apparent? Yes. Um, so they're, they're not normally, um, uh, so light bulbs come very quickly, yeah. but shift in behaviour takes a little bit of time to settle in my experience. Yeah. So the norm of my coaching would be I will typically meet people monthly Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, where possible, it's face-to-face, but sometimes it's virtual in between as well. I think it's fair to say uh, probably the first six months were really getting her ready to go where she needed to go. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and then when we really got to the source of the issue and we did the appropriate, and it was a couple of pieces of work, i.e. in different sessions to really get to that, work on it, let it settle, yep. so that she could, in my language, then unpack the two pieces that were coming together or organizational lens 
and personal lens. So I would say from the sixth month mark then, those yeah. things were appropriately settled and separated. And then a gradual uh, shift towards more contribution, more settling in her place, um, really feeling worthy of putting her ideas on the table. And I would say at the t by the 12 month mark, she was definitely working in her fullest capacity. And then of course the business results take a bit of time because they're mm. always going to be in a little mm. lag factor. Mm. Um, so yeah, between 12 and 18, then the results really started to show themselves. That's a great example. So thank you for explaining that extra detail. I think it's helpful. Pleasure. And you had another example. Yes, I was going to, <clears throat> I was going to shift onto more of an organizational example. Yeah. And uh, so this, this example is very much around where the systemic lens, which helps us map the system, it helps us understand what's the entirety of what we're looking at here, what's really working, uh, in you know just out of our awareness but activating or maybe deactivating the system as it was in this case and the point at which we did the piece of work and it was just a one-off piece of work so this is a deep dive for a day with um, a few senior managers looking at a specific piece of change and they were about to go live not that long after this piece of work. So we have to be really careful. What's the scope that we can realistically do, given you're already quite far down the line in your thinking and your planning to communicate, to execute. Um, however, having done the piece of deep work that particular day, what became very apparent is that there was still time to shift the way the communication of the change was going to be happening. And there was absolutely every opportunity and a need to shift the kind of leadership approach. Mm. So how were those senior managers going to be showing up communicating? Mm. And so if I were to summarise the change in the leadership, it went from a real communicate to tell we really need to explain to ask pull let's understand it was a significant turnaround in their approach around how they brought the change message and allowed it to settle in the system because the system felt heard the leaders in the business the people on the on the ground felt they were really listened to and so that they could then engage with the change story. So that was a fundamental turnaround on the how we did it, not whether we do it or not, of course. And were you invited in because there was an issue or were you invited in to support the change process and what became apparent was there was more that needed attending to? Um, or a bit so we, we were actively coaching in the system and okay. this change thing was happening kind of separate too. Okay. And so the offer went, it might be helpful to look at the system before you guys go live. Okay. Um, so it was an offer that was readily accepted. And, um, and then uh, it's, it, yeah, it, I think it added to the, the, the plan that was in play. That's very good. That's another very great example. Thank you. The horses then. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first include the horses? How did all that come about? Yeah, so, well, I think like you, I have been uh, a fan, an advocate, uh, in love with horses <laughs> for as long as I can remember. 
I mean, literally as long as I can remember. So I've, and I've, and I've been horse riding on and off for all of my life, but it was uh, only um, six years ago when I got my first horse myself. Ooh. And that was just two years after I started my business. So 2012, I got my first horse. And so I started, and I've been planning that for a year, because of course you need to make a really careful choice when you make that investment for all sorts of reasons. And so in, in that year, you can tell I'm a bit of a planner and a percolator, I like to percolate big decisions. So in that year, my, my pondering was, I wonder if there's a way that I can incorporate the horses in my work in some way. Uh-huh. And so a bit of research on who was doing work in a leadership arena with horses and there, there are a number of bodies out there that both deliver training on that and are actively doing it and so my journey with the horses is cut if you like it's evolved with me mm-hmm. so um i first uh, incorporated uh, the horses in what i would call classic leadership development work really helping leaders think about what's their trust what's their energy how do they build rapport and the horses are magnificent for simulating those scenarios in a very safe but a magnified way and I still incorporate that as part of my work with leaders if indeed that's the area that they need to work on right so for people who don't know horse yes horse world and language what is it that the horses actually do or don't do that provides the useful feedback for humans. Yes. So the feedback is very literal and it's very instantaneous. So if I maybe give an example. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I was working with this, this the gentleman I've got in mind is a senior leader. Um, the area that he really wants to work on is how he builds relationships with others. Yeah. So it's very much about connecting, very much about building rapport, very much about being able to reach out and make contact with others. And so I uh, suggested we incorporate some work with the horses. And that's the way I tend to do it. Uh, it's part of the journey and I weave it in appropriately. And so what we saw with him and the horse is he couldn't get the horse to move. So for some people, if they've got too much energy, the client has too much energy, they'll ignite and magnify that in the horse because the horse will often mirror what's going on in the client. So you'll find the horse really getting up and a bit bouncy and a bit too electric. The, the reverse was true in this scenario. The horse was so quiet, he stopped. And decided, being the horse. The horse stopped yeah. and he stopped and he fell asleep. Midway through this client really trying to connect and get them to move uh, in a certain direction. So it was a beautiful moment, albeit very uncomfortable, to be able to have the conversation. Let's look at to what degree you're connected. And then how does that manifest itself with people generally, obviously in life? Let's look at what energy is coming from you or is the energy all locked in? which was the case with him, his energy was all internal. Mm. Um, And so the signals from the horse is very much around movement, because they'll be often mirroring you. Closeness, do they feel comfortable to be at your side? So there's a level of stillness needed in the client in order for the horse to feel comfortable. If you're all agitated and a bit too wild, then the horse will get to a place of, I actually don't know that I trust you, so I'm going to keep my distance. 
So the other end of the spectrum, I've had a I've had a client working with one of my horses, and he was so on metaphorically on top of the horse, trying to over control it. The horse jumped out of the arena and did not want to be with that person. So I've you know both extremes. Um, can be available to work with. And the really beautiful thing is, it's not about being exposed because we're doing it in a very safe, you know, objective, non-threatening arena where it brings the right conversation to the surface. Mm. So that's, if you like, what I would call more mm. of the classic kind of leadership development mm. courses. Mm. That's brilliant examples, brilliant, yeah. Oh, lovely. So that's, you know, that, that's where I started incorporating the horses. And the joy, joy for me, if I can in, integrate my passion in my work, it just, it makes it even more fulfilling. So if I then move along the spectrum uh, where I would operate with the horses in a systemic way, mm -hmm. one of the things, well, they're, they're great at many things. From a systemic point of view, we're able to tune into the horse's ability, and actually it's, a, it's an innate ability to think about the whole. They're ego-less. They think more about the higher we as a pair, what's the herd and do the herd feel safe and what's happening in our environment. So they're constantly attending to what I would call the I, the we, the it. And so they're naturally attuned to understanding, are we complete, are we whole and are we okay? And so they tune in very quickly from a systemic point of view is, is this a complete situation or is this client excluding something? And they can sense when things are being excluded and they can bring our attention to that, which is of course what the systemic approach is really helping us do amongst other things. Are we including stuff that shouldn't be included? There's some extra stuff being added in here that doesn't belong in the organization, such as the lady I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, or is something being excluded that actually is part of this system? And they will very quickly be giving us signals, very literal again, signals that there's something else here. Energetically, you're missing something. And they will, they will take our attention to that very quickly. And how will they do that? So maybe if I, uh, if I do, if I share an example of working with a team, sometimes I work with individuals with the horses and sometimes I work with the team collective, um, both in the classic way I mentioned, but also in the systemic way. But the, the example is a systemic with a team and we create what we call a living map when we're working systemically so that we can see this the, the if you like the physical parts of the system and there are when um, people talk about constellating that's actually what they're meaning isn't it absolutely not, you know it's not about stars it's the living map of the living map yeah that we can start to orientate ourselves as we as we look at all the different layers of the system yeah so we physically set up a living map we were in a, an arena with the horses and i was working with a group of horses a herd of six horses for the six horses right yeah uh, we set up a living map and it was the team that set up. So we'd set up maybe a, a cone to represent, well, this cone represents senior managers and this jump pole represents um, the rest of the organization. And we had a range of equipment, for want of a better phrase, and we set up the whole of the system. 
little bit of context, this particular organization, really fast moving, quite dynamic, a really uh, energetic senior management team and a senior leader who was moving things very quickly. Less attention being put on some of what you might call the operational parts of the business. But of course, they're part of a system. They're part of the business. You need to get products out the door to customers at the end of the day. Um, and so they were trying to traverse this parallel of getting product out and all these new initiatives at the same time. And we set up all of that wow. in this area. There was a like a little trailer thing with all these different old jump poles. And it just happened to be in one corner. I said, oh, well, and they hadn't set up the operational at this point. We'll just make that all the operational stuff was the, the decision. Of course, that's fine. And so then the humans got out of the arena. I stayed in because, of course, I'm facilitating. But they stay in line of sight so they can observe what's happening. And that means the humans don't get in the way of what's the energy in the system. We get a really clear picture of what we need to attend to. The forces come in and we observe what they attend to, what they take interest in. Sometimes they'll move stuff out of the way and say, that's not relevant. <laughs> if something's been included, for example, that shouldn't be, as an example of a movement we'd noticed. But in that specific example, it was incredible. Six horses, three of them went to the trailer of the operation and would not move for the whole of the time. So like 30 minutes. And so you get the you get the message pretty quickly because it's very literal. Guys, you need to be looking at this. And so again, yet again, it gives an opportunity for the facilitator in this case me to say, what needs attending to? Because they're telling us there's something here that's not got enough attention. And then it brings a really rich conversation to the to the forefront. So that's an example of how that would work. And did that? Uh, and did, assuming you wouldn't use the example if it if it wasn't actually very useful to the team to realize this and that then something was yes. back in. It was incredibly useful because what it allowed the team to do is to surface, A, it was a pattern, okay. getting distracted by all the fancy new stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we're not looking after the core business. Yeah. That's their language. Yeah. Um, and it also enabled the conversation to be surfaced to say, we need to look at our leadership huh. because as leaders, we are devaluing our core business, our nuts and bolts. Uh, so uh, it shifted, it helped them really shift and pay attention to the leadership style as well. Uh, that's brilliant. They're brilliant examples. Thank you. Whoa. So it's beautiful work, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. How could anybody not want to do that with you? <laughs> I wonder if there's anything else you want to say about this or you feel you need to mention about this kind of work and, and how it fits, you know, in your life. Because it's quite edgy, isn't it? I mean, it's not edgy in the sense that it's tricky to do, but it can be seen as edgy because it's actually still quite a novel approach. Well, I think it can be quite confronting. Uh-huh. That's how I would describe it. And so I think the care that we need to have as facilitators is important. So we need it's, to it's, it's truth telling, isn't it? Exactly. I think we need to prepare people for it really well. Mm. We help people decompress afterwards. We need to help them sit with rather than make immediate decisions yes. from 
know, the immediate information that presents itself. Yeah. Um, and as you all know, Jackie, you know, we talk about there's a bit of an incubation period. I, I always use the phrase to clients when I'm working in this way. Uh, give your time, your head time to catch up. It will take a little bit of time to process this. And so what I'll make very, uh, take very good care of is then checking in with them on regular intervals whilst they're percolating. And so whilst it's very confronting, I think we can help them sit with whatever they've been confronted by. So yeah, I think the confronting thing, and it, and it is, it's, uh, I would use the word edge in that it's leading edge. Yes. I think there's not what I mean, many really. other methodologies that will bring the breadth and the depth in a relatively short period of time. Mm. So then, then I think I also would recommend that being really careful that people know what they're buying. Mm. Uh, I think it's important as well, you know, as 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 explicitly as is feasible because of course some of it's discovered on the on the roadmap you can't you know you can't put it all on the tin so to speak at the outset but at least prepare people that this is the nature of the journey that we may take mm. but in a timeline that's right for you some people really want to go into that depth straight away and some people need a little bit of time to go there a little bit later and, and are you finding that um, people are coming to you knowing that that's part of your practice and seeking you out, whether it's the systemic got, approach or the horses or both? Are you, is that um, I, I find, I, I'd say currently I've got a mix. So <clears throat> I've got people who are actively coming to me because they know, know that's my way of operating. Um, I've got people coming to me to set, who are already working in this way to say, I'd really love your support or your supervision because I can see you know, what you're doing with the work. Um, and then there are some clients who they trust me for me, but may not yet understand the way of working. And then, of course, I'll lay that out. And some people are curious. Some yeah. people are just curious and they're in fact-finding mode uh, for a while before they will then step forward. Yeah. Um, and and what, I, what I try and do is, of course, give examples in explaining it. But where appropriate, get people just to come and hang out maybe, you know, for an hour with the horses. Because sometimes it's the pure fear of horses rather than the confronting element of the work. And so depending on what's, you know, what's their edge, might determine how we step into the work. That sounds that's brilliant. It's, it's, it's great talking to you and I, I really um, appreciated having your time. So, some of the people I've talked to for these podcasts have got books coming, yes. posed or written. I'm not aware of you having a book. I've started one. Aha, aha. I have started one. That's is funny. It, is it appropriate to talk about it? No, it's probably a wee <laughs> bit too early. Um, uh, well, what I can say, what I what I can say though, it's it's wholly systemic. Okay. Uh, it's in the arena of uh, working with leaders in a systemic way right. and helping them move through a journey of who are they and what's the world want to bring through them as a leader, and then how we as practitioners can support, facilitate nurture them in that process mm. so that's the territory of mm. the book i'm able to share that and, and i hesitate to ask a sort of timeline you know 
as someone who's got a book that needs attending to again, the time sort of shifts, you know? So yeah, when might people want to maybe look out for it? I realistically, um, I've set myself a target of getting a first draft in 2019. Okay. So it'll be 2020 before it moves into anyone's horizon. Okay. Other than people I trust, you know, to do a few kind of little samples for me and with yeah, me. Yeah. Because, of course, we don't know when people might be listening to this podcast, you see. Ah, yes, of course. Sort of a bit of future-proofing. 2020. 2020. I've said it for the first time. Really? Oh, dear. That's the first time I've said 2020. It's like, okay, I can edit that out. I can edit it out. It's to leave it in. Leave it in. It's fine to leave it in. That helps me, actually. That always helps me, dear. Stay true to my word. So that's quite important to me. Oh, very good. Well, that's kind of, I like that. That's lovely. And, and that, um, you know, your emphasis on leadership, because that's a nice segue for me, because I, I wanted to have a brief chat with you. I mean, we're nearly up for time, but a brief chat with you about leadership, because I call myself a leadership coach. And I find that, 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 you know, a lot of people are kind of lead. I'm not a leader. I don't want to be a leader. And it's because there's a notion of, of leadership as leading from above and imposing and, and so on. But I use that term because my purpose is about supporting people to become who they choose to be, mm. to direct their own lives and allow, you know, what's there to flow through them, as you said. Yes, that you know, and there's this lovely Jungian idea um, about that we um, uh, it's about movement from a conscious place to generate your work rather Mm. than operating from an unconscious place, you know, and it's about trying to surface what it is. And I wonder if that chimes with your view of leadership and that everybody has inherent leadership, and it's an it's a question of supporting them to uh, make it conscious. I can I, I resonate with a lot of the words that you said. Definitely moving more to a conscious uh, place and discerning how you want to show up. Uh, and I was coaching someone yesterday. And I had exactly that conversation. So let's let's help you to figure out what's what's in your repertoire that is happening unconsciously, uh, so that you can make some considered choices and figure out what's the impact that you want to have mm. in the world on others mm. in key stakeholders relationships including Mm. in your family so one of the things that um, I mentioned this with the horses earlier I I tend to talk quite a bit around being able to tune in what's right in your whole system you know how do you enable a healthy flow and some and each person's system will be different the scale of our systems will be different in the context of the uh, of a of the leadership angle, I talk about enabling healthy flow through you, but also check what bags you're carrying from the past yeah, so yeah. that we can discern what bags you need to put down in order yeah. that that flow can come, uh, whether that's for you, whether that's for you and your team, or that's for you, your team and your business, depending on what level you're working on. But importantly, also for you and your, your dearest ones, mm. family, friends, those that, you know, those people that really matter. Um, one of my, um, one of my, if you like, phrases that I hold, and I'm 
you obviously you can see me so you can see where I'm looking and um, I hold this very dear to me creating space for the people and the things that matter mm. and so that keeps me really true in my body like okay how am I showing up mm. and when I'm creating that space what's that experience like for others so I, I bring that uh, you know clarity and that conversation to clients as well um, so yeah I think I think we're, although we may use slightly different nuance language because it depends on where people are in the system I think I resonate really strongly with the essence of what you say great do you want to say that phrase again that you've got written up of course creating space for the people and things that matter huh. I love that I think that's a really great place to end actually oh. I think that's yes great. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been it's wonderful to talk to you um, and explore the benefits of the systemic lens being applied for people and for organisations and teams. And especially, of course, the, the role that horses can play in that. Um, if people want to contact you as a result yeah. of listening to this, mm -hmm. they can find you on your website. Yes. Um, and because I'll include that in the notes. Is that the okay. best, best way? Of people website or LinkedIn I'm also on Facebook um, or just my straightforward email tests at the transformation agency.com any any of those routes are fine brilliant thank you since Tess and I had our conversation back in 2019 she's continued with writing her book and is right in the heart of it. In essence, it's about leadership coaching with a systemic approach, and she aims to have it published early in 2021. As well as writing and coaching, she's been building a capability called Inside the System. This aims to enable organisations and the people within them to experience healthier and more sustainable systems in order to build positive momentum for their transformation initiatives. Tess has just launched the first virtual programme for Inside the System, and you can find out more about that on her website, which is listed in the episode notes. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to listen to future episodes, and there's one a month, please subscribe to Coaching Conversations either through your podcast host or via my website, coachingwithintent.co.uk. Please feel free to share it with others in your networks, and if you're inspired to do so, leave a review. Many thanks. Thanks.